Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Um, we are in week two of our series called Better Together. We're talking about relationships because, you know, it's about to be that time where you got to deal with your mama and cousins and all them. Amen. And sometimes, you know, your family can get on your last nerve. Amen. Amen. You just want to be like, don't call me. I'll call you. Amen. Um, but uh, it's good for us to be with family and spend time with family. But I was, uh, I was, I always like to talk about relationships during this time because sometimes we have, we have to learn how to manage relationships. Relationships is not something that we just are born with. Amen? There's this thing called relational intelligence. I don't know if you've heard about it or read it. There's a whole book about it. Darius Daniels wrote a book on it. It's really good. And, um, but it is talking about the art of managing relationships. Because you, there's no way possible that you're going to get along with everybody. Come on. Y'all quiet. We're not going to get along with everybody. Amen? But that don't mean we have to be haters and mad and walking around angry because we don't get along. If we don't get along, I can't. Uh, we can't find a middle ground. And we talked about that the first, uh, I think the first week, well, actually before we started the series, we talked about we don't have to agree, but we can find common ground. Amen? I don't have to agree with you on all the topics in the world. Uh, it would be boring if we agreed on everything. Come on. Wouldn't be. I was with uh, a group of guys Friday night. Friday night we were, uh, it was what, five of us in the hotel room? So that hotel room smelled bad, amen. Uh, but it was all five of us, but we were up uh, one, 1 a.m. And we were talking about stuff, and me and Logan pretty much agreed on everything. Everybody else didn't, all right? <laughs> but it, it made for a wonderful conversation. And we learned from them, and they learned from us, and it wasn't boring. If we were like, you know, what do you think about this? And everybody just been like, yeah, we agreed, and we just moved on. But we had some amazing conversations because, see, in the in the in the areas of conflict, you can learn something, right? Conflict gives you the opportunity to learn something, leave something. Come on, somebody, right? Or let something go. Let me say that again. You want to write that down? Conflict gives you the opportunity to learn something, leave something, or let something go. I just made it up on the fly. That's good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No. But, but we, we, we have the opportunity when we have these differences to come together. Amen? And then last week, uh, or the first week of this, we talked about how, um, how t together we are able to make a difference in the world, amen? How we need relationship. Somebody said we need relationship. The scripture said that two are better than one. And it gave us some very specifics as to why two are better than one. Two are better than one because we, you know, we have, we're able to accomplish more. We're able to have greater rewards because we're all, you know, uh, uh, together. When you have somebody in, that you're working with, you're in partnership with, you're in companionship with, your life tends to be better. I mean, if you read studies, married people live longer than single people. Come on. Unless, you know. Right. Unless you get on your wife's nerves a little too much. All the husbands know what I'm talking about. All the wives are like, yes, Lord, come on, pray for me. Um, but relationship is good. It's necessary. I'm not saying that you need, to go, uh, you need to go get married to somebody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to have relationships. Amen? Right? I use the example of married versus single 
just because it's the, the easier thing to do. That doesn't determine whether somebody has relationships that are necessary, right? Come on. So we need relationships because relationships provide greater rewards, greater restoration, greater rest, and greater refuge. Amen. But today, and I, wanna, I don't want to keep you long because we had worship was good. Amen. But I, I, wanna, I really want to share this word that I believe God has given me for us today. I want to turn to Mark chapter 12. We're going to read verses 28 through 31, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I love it because I love the way it reads. It says this. Listen, it's up on the screen if you don't have it. But it says, now a certain religious scholar overheard them debating. When he saw how beautiful, beautifully Jesus answered all their questions, he posed one of his own and asked them, teacher, which commandment is the greatest of all? Listen now. Jesus said to him, the most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with a passionate heart from the depths of your soul with your every thought and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. Verse 31. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor. What does that say? Ne say it again. Say it loud. You got to love who? Well, I don't like my neighbor. Do you love him? You must. He didn't say uh, if your neighbor, you know, don't ever step on your, your lawn and make a comment about how you don't rake your leaves and how you need to cut your grass, you know, you love them. Then I said, you must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. You will never find a greater commandment than these. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say today. I thank you that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. My, my title or my mission today is to speak from a subject matter that's you are better together. Somebody say you. You are better together. Um, the concept of what I want to talk about today is, is really all around self-care. Somebody say self-care. Uh, I think for a lot of us, I think a lot of us don't take great care of ourselves. Are you hearing me? I think we love to serve and help and do all the stuff for everybody else, right? But we don't take good care of ourselves. And as I read the scripture, one of the things that I, I've always gleaned from this scripture is when he says the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I always look at that, and I think, man, that's great, and it's good to say, but if we really kind of unpack that, it also in the reverse is telling us how you treat your neighbor tells me what you think about yourself. How you handle relationships tells me how you feel about you. I know we, I know it's going to get tight today. Woo, bless the Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry up front. I'm just listening. Don't, don't, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How we handle people, how we handle relationships, how we deal and interact with other people tells me a lot about how you think about yourself. Right? If we're constantly uh, angry and mad at folks and disappointed and rejecting folks, it's probably more than likely that we're constantly angry, mad, and rejecting ourselves. If we're constantly, uh, uh, you know, procrastinating on building relationships, it's probably because we're not doing much for building our own life. 
If we're constantly avoiding folks and avoiding things and hard stuff and dealing with hard topics, it's probably because we're avoiding the hard things in our life. Let's just be real about it, right? Let's not, let's, not, let's not play around today. I want you to realize and understand how we treat other people, how we handle the relationships, how we handle and manage the connections in our life tells me a lot about what we think about ourselves. Because Jesus was very careful in his words. Jesus never chose to use words that didn't mean something. And then we can read that and go, oh, yeah, I got to love my neighbor like I love myself. But the real question is, when you put that in verse, how do you love yourself? Because if I, look, if I see your interactions, if I look at our life, if we look at our life and we can judge our interaction and, our, and, our, and how we manage relationships, and if we can look at that and say, I'm not great at that, then we also have to begin to assess our relationship with ourselves. Amen? This interaction in the scripture right here is days before Jesus was going into, uh, well, days before this interaction, Jesus had just entered uh, Jerusalem. And everybody was screaming. He was hailed as a hero, right? They loved him. This was in Mark chapter 11. And um, they loved him. And they were just, yeah, it's Jesus. He, that's, you know, that's my guy. And then... Uh, we find this right here where he's teaching in the courtyard. And he starts talking about scripture. And the Pharisees are around. And everybody's listening because, you know, they always, got, they always got to test Jesus. They got to figure out if he actually who he say he is, right? You say you're the Messiah. Okay, do you know scripture? Right? And they want to catch him slipping up. And they were trying their best. And they ask another question. Jesus is debating with them. Again, it goes back to show you that it's clearly okay that you can debate with people that you don't typically agree with or line up with. Amen? And y'all can have healthy conversation. But don't be like Jesus where you end up in cru crucifixion. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so there are people in your life that will want them. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. So you get to this, and, and they, they ask him a question. This guy asks this question. He says, you know, what's the greatest commandment of all? He's testing them because he wanted to see if Jesus knows the law. Right? First of all, we need to recognize that Jesus didn't come to just know the law. He came to fulfill the law. And as the Bible teaches it, he came to fulfill and abolish the law. Amen? The law and everything in it was made, uh, was made perfect, or, or not made perfect, was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. When he showed up on the scene, he did everything. He met every tenet of the law, as you, as you would call it. But he says, what is, uh, what's the greatest commandment of all? And I love that Jesus doesn't run away from questions like this. Amen. I love that Jesus is not scared to answer questions like this. It teaches me a principle about ourselves that I think we as people or followers of Christ should be able to not avoid hard questions. It's quiet in the house of the Lord today, but that's all right. Because, I, you know, a lot of times we don't like to have these conversations with people. You know, if somebody comes to you and asks you something, oh, you just follow Jesus, you're good, you know. No, sometimes people need a little bit more than that. Hello. And Jesus uh, doesn't run away from this question. He doesn't avoid it. He doesn't point him and say, dude, just follow me, get over it. You get what I'm saying? He actually, sits, he actually engages in conversation with him, right? Why? Because even though this guy's a Pharisee and there's a disagreement and there's clear different ideologies between the two, here's the thing. Jesus knows this, the risk is worth the reward. Come on. You are a Pharisee. You do believe greatly in the law, but if I can have this conversation with you, it might change your life. And he says this. He says, uh, you know, what's the greatest commandment at all? And Jesus says, 
to him, uh, love the Lord your God. Right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, listen, Jesus starts with love the Lord your God. This is the greatest, he said, this is the greatest commandment. Right? You have to put in context, they would have understood that what he was doing was referring back to the Garden of Eden when, when God told Adam and Eve, he said, love the Lord your God. Like, this was a connecting point. This is the greatest commandment. I want to take you back. Listen, I'm, I understand scripture. I know what you're asking me. So let me put you to the first point. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. I mean, with all your, yeah, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your strength. Catch that, right? As I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about self care. Somebody say self-care. There's a few things I think we can glean from this that we can really apply to us being together. I call this message, you are better together, right? Because together, right, you are better together than you are better. I mean, you are broken. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. We are better together than we are broken. Are you catching what I'm saying? So the whole better together is us being together, like pieces put together. Amen? And so, but if we're going to be better together, if we're going to be together, there are a few things I think we can glean from this scripture to help with self-care, biblically. Right? First thing is this. Make God the focus of your self-care. Now, that don't make sense because you just told me self-care. I need to focus on self. No, you don't. That is what the world teaches us. The world teaches us that self-care is about us. Amen. But self-care, self-care, biblical self-care, is about making God the center of your universe. Removing yourself from the middle point. Amen? Removing yourself from the center point and making God the center of your universe. The greatest way, one of the greatest ways you can be uh, uh, at peace with the world around you is to trust in God. We have so much going on in society. There's things happening and, and, and so many crazy stuff going on. And, and we, you know, if you turn the news on, uh, you ain't even got to turn the news on at this point. You get on Facebook or Meta, whatever it's called now, right? They're going to call it brown chair next week. It's going to be brown. We decide to go with brown chair. But if you get on that, like you, you, you almost immediately you are just... Everything is thrown at you. So much news, so much stuff, so many things. And it's hard to say that you're going to take care of yourself when a lot of times the things that we do are destroying the very fabric of who we are. Amen. But if we learn to put God at the center of our self-care, man, it will change our world. Why? Because I won't be so moved by everything that I see in the world. I won't be so afraid and so uh, timid and shy and in fear. I will actually stand up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Because you know why? I trust my God and I'll make him the center of my self-care. Somebody say, make God the focus of your self-care. Next thing is this, make God the focus of your heart. We get this from the scripture, right? What does the Bible teach about the heart? The Bible teaches that issues of life flow from the heart. Was that, I mean, that's scripture, right? We know this, right? So if we're going to talk about making God the focus, and we're going to talk about self-care, we have to talk about the issues. Uh-huh. 
Because if we got issues, it's hard to have self-care. Yes, Lord. Right? Some, and we all got issues. Some of them come in the form of little humans that don't do nothing but eat and take your money. <laughs> come on, somebody. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all quiet. Why y'all trying to act all like, nah, man, I'm, I'm a great parent. My kids never get on my nerves. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You got on your nerves all the way here. You're like, I'm ready to get to church so they can play with their friends. <laughs> Sometimes we, uh, we all got issues. Like, we got things going on in our life. And, you know, if I pass the mic around, everybody can tell me that something is going on in your life. But listen, the Bible says to make God the focus of your heart. What does that mean? That means to point your issues to your God. Well, I can't figure it out. You don't need to introduce it to God. You know, the Psalms, it says, trust, you know, it's a proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Come on. Give God the place and the responsibility of taking care of your heart. Now, that's difficult. And we talk, see, we start talking about heart, we think, we automatically think love. Oh, I love everybody. No, no. Heart is where your life's issues flow from. The Bible talks about two, a few different types of hearts, a soft heart, a hardened heart, all these different things, a stony heart. Why? Because all the issues in your life begin to shape how you feel about things. Amen. It'll make you hard. It'll make you reject people. It'll make you... But if you learn to make God the center and the focus of your heart, trust him to handle your issues. Amen? I wrote this down. We need to learn how to find in God a satisfaction so profound that it fills up our hearts. God, I am so completely satisfied in you that... You have my heart. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what issue I'm facing today, what issue I might face tomorrow. I have given you the place of my heart. Amen? Are y'all still with me? I got a few more. Y'all ready? Make God the focus of your soul. Somebody say the soul. What is the soul? It's our mind. It's our emotions. It's our will. Amen? Essentially, the soul is who we are as, the, as, as human beings. It's also how we express God in the earth. Come on. It's your soul. It's your soul. We have to learn how to make God the focus of who we are as people. You know how it becomes easy to love your neighbors yourself? When you start to act and look like God. Because there's no greater love than a man who will lay down his own son for the life of people who didn't even like him. If we start to make God the focus of our soul, we begin to look like God. We begin to think like God. We begin to act like God. We begin to interact with people like God. I ain't say you were God. I said like God. Amen? Some of us think we are gods. You sit down somewhere. Just seal yourself. Up here to my mama move water. Sit down. You ain't walking on no water. Sit in that bathtub for you to drown. <laughs> y'all, can I tell y'all a quick story right quick? When me and Aaron first met, first of all, we got married really quick. So don't, you know, I told my daughter she ain't doing that. It's going down. We met, um, 10 days later, I proposed we were married. Two months later, right? I won't ever encourage your children to do that, I promise you. I didn't even ask her dad, and he's here today. He didn't even ask her. Luckily, he didn't take me out, amen? 
But one of the first things I did when we were on our first little date with everybody else, she was going, I was playing drums, and I was like, you want to go leave? You going to see me leave worship, you know? And I was playing the drums. And, and we got, she came in the church van. We were riding. I don't know where we were going. But anyways, it was raining. And it was raining bad. And I thought, this is my moment. Finna be real churchy. This is my moment. I got out on top of the van. I said, I'm going to speak to the storm. Storm, cease. And it kept raining. All I'm saying is sit down somewhere. <laughs> you are not God. Amen. Make God, <laughs> make God the focus of your soul. How you express God in the earth. Amen. How we treat others, how we act, how we do things tells me where the focus of your soul is. Amen. I know we got to get you out of here, so I'm going to move on. I, I could stay there for a minute. I wrote this down. and said, finding God a meaning so rich and so deep that it fills up the aching corners of your soul. Come on. Make God the focus of your mm. What is that? What is the mind? The mind is the sum of our belief systems. What you believe about the world tells me what you believe about God. Or I'll say it this way. What you believe about the world tells me about how much you invite God into your belief systems. Amen. I mean, Scripture is very clear at what God thinks of the world. What does he think? The Bible says he loved the world so much that he gave his only son. Oh, and guess what? The world was evil when he did that. I mean, terrible. Toe up from the floor up, make you want to throw up because nobody could grow up. I got bars. I see you. That was the world. And God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. Catch this now. That's what he believed about the world. He believed in the world enough to say that there is still some value to these people even though they are doing terrible things. I still see potential. I still see good. I still see potential. I still see the ability for people to change the world around. And I will give my only son. Because I believe that something's greater than the world. Come here, Jesus. Time to go down the cross. They're going to spit on you. They're going to hate you. They're going to like you. They're gonna, people are going to doubt you. They're going to do all this stuff. But I still believe there's something. I still want to be with them. If we make God the focus of our mind, if he becomes the focus of our belief systems, then we will start to feel the same way about the world that he feels about the world. And we won't approach with everybody like, oh, you got to be evil. So if you evil, I'm done with you. I had a friend this, this past week, and I'm not going to go too deep into it, but he made a statement in the hotel room. Friday night. I don't love him, Dove. He's a great guy. I'm not calling him. Listen. But he made a statement, and the statement bothered me so much. I looked at him. I said, how do you rectify your faith with what you just said? And he just looked at me, what do you mean? I said, Scripture teaches this, but what you just said is completely opposite to that. How do you do that? Is there evil people in the world? Yes. Or maybe not. Maybe sin has called evil. 
Amen? And maybe people are not naturally evil. They're just trapped in sin cycles. And we need a God who's big enough to break the cycle. Come on. So the issue can change. But if we at the church go, well, you evil people, y'all can't come here. Man, I'm going to move on because they're going to get mad at me today. Finding God, the riches of knowledge and insight and wisdom that God and satisfy all the mind, all that the mind was meant to be. Amen? Make God the center of your belief systems. What you believe about the world, what you believe about yourself, make God the focus of it. Amen? Next thing is this. We're getting there. I'm, t- I'm telling y'all, we're getting there. We're getting there. Make God the focus of your strength. Somebody say the strength. Strength denotes what we are striving towards. Make God the focus of your striving. I just want to be wealthy, and I don't do that. And, you, you know, we'll work, and we'll work, and we'll work, and we won't take care of ourselves because we are trying our best to be seen or to be heard or to feel notoriety, whatever it may be, and our lives are falling apart, and we got plenty of money. Amen? We're rich, but we hate life. Drive nice cars and, and can't stand ourselves. Huh? We go buy whatever we want, and then we go home and we're sad. And was, why? Because if God is not the focus of your strength and your soul and your heart and your mind, none of it means anything. Come on, somebody. He has to become the center point of your self-care. You will never arrive or reach a point in your life or notoriety that you feel like you've accomplished everything. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that. Even when you hit a certain point, a certain level of success is going to be another, because society teaches us that there is another level. What's funny is this, this is crept into the church, too. Because we get, oh, God wants to take you to another level. No, what God wants for you is rest. He ain't trying to take you to another level. He's trying to sit you down so you can trust him. Well, I just, I got to go to church and I got to, and I, listen, listen, hear me out. We prioritize what's important. Okay? We will make room for what we feel is important. And if we're going to make God the focus of our strength, which is the focus of our works, which is the focus of what we build in life, then he has to become the important thing. We've got to build around that. Trust God with your works. Amen? Don't work to get God's approval. You've already gotten that. Amen? Build because God is calling you to build something. Amen? Write this down, finding God, the satisfaction of your work ethic. I got two more, and then we're going to be done, all right? Two more. And then you can go to Waffle House or wherever you go for lunch. Make God the focus of your love. He said... Love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Right? So God's the focus of your love. But then he goes on to say, but the second is the same importance. Love your neighbor as yourself. What you have to understand here is the Pharisees knew very well the first part. 
making God the focus of their stuff, right? Religious duties. He, they knew that. That, was, that wasn't even a question. When this guy asked Jesus that, he knew the scripture. He was very aware what Jesus would say if Jesus said it right. And he says it, but then Jesus says, uh, the second command is, you know, love your neighbors yourself. And, and, and here's, here's where the pivot happens, because they knew to love him as a religious duty. Right? They knew to love God, but then he said, Jesus pivots, he says, you know to love God, but loving your neighbor is just as, port, as important as loving God. To love one's neighbor as oneself is more important than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices that we could ever offer. I don't care how much you go to church, raise your hands, run around the room, chair dive, uh, you know, we do it all. You, we, right? I'm in a church that have laughing spirits, all kinds of stuff, all right? I done seen it all. Y'all think, I, I, I know I'm only 21, but I've seen it all. There are churches where you can do all these different things, and it's all religious, and we think we're somehow closer to God. And he says, he says this, he says, but you got to love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Because no matter how much you preach, how much you come to church and raise your hand, how many times you say, look at me, look at me, I mean, I may, you, none of that matters if you're not treating your neighbor like yourself. Well, Fred, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, we got to stop with all the religious stuff and invest in some relational stuff. People don't come, don't come to Christ because of religion. They come because of relationship. Lives aren't changed because of religion. Lives are changed because of relationship. Amen? We got to make God the focus of our love. The scribe responds to Jesus, and his response to Jesus was on, was, was on point, right? Because it's easy to think that religious ceremony and devotion are more important uh, than love for God and our neighbor. But this isn't the case. I don't care how much we do. I wrote this down. A thousand empty burnt offerings don't mean more to God than a single act of love done in his name. You can go to church every Sunday and not miss a day for 25 years. They got your name on the roll. You know them churches. Take name and come in. None of that matters than one act of love done in his name. And if we're going to uh, invest in self-care, we have to learn how to invest in neighbor care <laughs> because we think self-care is about us and it's not self-care is about those around us I'm not saying go exert all your energy doing everything with everybody but I can be assured and I can know where you are and how you feel about yourself based on how you treat everybody else And if we're going to invest, gaunt, that's not even a word, what was that? If we're going to invest in ourselves, self-care, we have to learn to make God the focus of our self-care. Amen? I end with this. I end with this. Know that you, somebody say you, somebody say I, am the focus of God's love.
the Pharisee in this text shows us that he does understand, right? By his response, we realize that he does understand. Or at least he understands the purpose of the Mosaic law. He understands that knowing and loving God and loving people is the basis of, uh, for all the rules that God gave be regarding behavior. Right? But the sad part is he doesn't follow it all the way through. He stops there. He stops at the rules that God gave for his behavior. He doesn't go to the concluding point, which is that God also loves him and sent his son to save him. God loves him, sent his son to save him. This man is interacting with the Savior, having a conversation, not fully understanding. You're talking about what you're doing, but what's really important is what I'm about to do for you. I wanted to end with this because truthfully, the, 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 to me, the ultimate thing or, or most important thing in self-care is to recognize that you are completely, unconditionally loved by the Lord. And many of us don't believe that. We don't know that because we, you know, we raised in church and church has taught us all kinds of stuff. But I'm here to announce to you today that when you came to Christ, the Bible says the work of the cross is a finished work. Finished work. Somebody say finished work. You are completely loved. And see, he, he, he unfortunately doesn't follow uh, the thread to the conclusion that God also loves him and sent his son to save him. And, and, and this is where we land. No matter how much we love people and how much we do all these things, none of that can earn salvation. Not one work of love earns salvation. And if we're going to be truly taking care of ourselves, we have to recognize that God loves us. You are literally the focus of God's love. Well, Fred, that makes me sound so important because you are. In the scheme of things, when it comes to Jesus, you are the apple of his eye. Wow, I mean, that just sounds so crazy. Well, the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that you were, you were literally constructed by the hands of God. It teaches over and over that God invested so much in every one of us, even to the point that he made all of us unique. Well, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I rectify that, Fred, when I'm going through so much and I'm dealing with this issue, I'm dealing with that? He's still your God. In Calamity, he's your God. In trouble, he's your God. He still is for you. And I know it doesn't feel good and it doesn't seem right and it seems like things are going crazy or whatever it may be and I can't get the healing that I'm believing for and I can't get the miracle that I need and I can't get the financial, whatever it may be. I'm telling you something. You are still the focus of God's love. You wake up every morning, you breathe air. Come on, somebody. I know this country ain't all that, that it's cut out to be, but you are living in one of the greatest countries of all time. You have an opportunity to build wealth. You have an opportunity to go after and do things. Not many people get this place. Amen. 
You are still the focus of God's love. I'm here. Listen, listen to me. Not everybody has what you have. Not everybody has the opportunity that you have. And it doesn't mean that they're not the focus of God's love. But I want you to hear something. You have to recognize what God has given you. And that's the, that's the essence of self-care. When it all boils down to it, she, I will make God the focus the center of my universe. This is what it is. He's the center of my universe. And into him, I'm the center of his universe. And then, when I get to worship him, woo, he's like, man, let me go down and sit right here. <laughs> Did you hear friend? That note was terrible though, right? You heard that, Michael, right? I should have gave him better vocal cords, but he's still trying. I love him. I imagine God talks like that, okay? I hear the note, he's like, ooh, that was terrible, but I, I, I thank you for the thank you. <laughs> That's the God we serve. He loves us unconditionally. So as I close... I, I, I want to uh, just, you know, first of all, I invite you to stand with me. And I want to, we're going to, it's not going to be long. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray and close, okay? But some of us need to, uh, I, I, I came with this message today because I, I be, I've been, thinking about, can I just be transparent with y'all for a minute? The last six to eight weeks of my life have been intense. It's been nonstop. Just nonstop. We're building out the sanctuary, this new spot and, uh, and, and so many other things going on. Work and then um, doing other stuff and other work and just going. And about about a week ago, I was sitting down, I was praying, I was like, Lord, I, I need to need I need a vacation. I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know what, I want you to take some time off work. And I want to just spend some time with you. I was like, you know what? Oh well, you know, I don't know if I'm right that right. I was wanna say these two weeks for Christmas, you know. <laughs> but listen, if we don't learn how to invite God into the ebbs and flow of life, the ups and the downs. We're going to miss an opportunity for our soul to be mended, for our hearts to be brought. And I found out that I can run 100 miles per hour in one way and not make it very far. Or I can rest in him. And know that he's going to get me where I'm supposed to be. Amen? And I found myself over the last few weeks, I, you know, I'm telling you, just going, going, going. And I just said, I want to I slow down. I just want to sit and be with the Lord. And as I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this relationship series. It hit me, and I don't know how y'all feel about it, but if I'm here, I wonder where some of my folks are. Because a lot of times, if I'm going, if I feel like I'm from facing something, some you know, I, some you know, some folks like, oh, I don't know that that old Bible teacher. I mean, that's all the church. Yeah, I, I guess it is churchy. 
But a lot of times when pastors are going through something, the people are going through it too. And I just heard the voice of the Lord say, it's time to invest in yourself. It's time to refocus the priorities of your life and point them back to me. This is what God saying. Some of us have run and run and we're trying to build and we're trying to build and it's not going like we thought it should. And we, I'm, I want to encourage you today to refocus and make God the center. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for those under the sound of my voice. And I ask you right now in the name of Jesus. That you bring to the heart, to the surface, where you want us to focus and refocus. God, I thank you to everyone that's out of my voice. God, I pray that you give them the courage to take a moment to invest in themselves. To refine the relationship they have with themselves. Lord, we all desire to impact the world and to be the hands and feet of you in, in this world and, and to, to love people and, and to care for people. But if we're being honest, Lord, we need to feel whole ourselves. And to be real with you, God, some of us, and even myself, God, we haven't felt like we're whole. But I know you're capable. I know you're able. And I know that you can make us whole. So I pray, God, those on the sound of my voice, that they would have an encounter with your presence that changes their lives. And I thank you that they have the courage to invest in themselves by making you the center of their life. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. We put our hands together. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.